0: I don't know if we have any blooper material, but because we can't use anything we just talking
1: about. <laughs> there you go. Yep. None of that. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast. Together, we're cultivating real conversation, real community, real lives. Join Tammy Brown and Melody Workman of Sandals Church as they discuss real issues and empower women to cultivate truth live out their faith, and connect with a community of kindness. Welcome to the bonus
0: episode um, of the Cultivate Podcast. This is real questions, real conversation. I'm here today with Tammy Brown. Hello. And also with our friend Tiff Perry. Hey. Yes, Tiff, um, I was going to try to say what you do on our team.
2: But Melanie, I can't even we understand don't really it. know.
0: <laughs> you do all the awesome things that
2: make us sound good to people who read our stuff. And yeah. Tiff oversees the blog, our social media, and photography, and all of the techie things that Melody and I just yeah.
0: literally can't When someone even says, with. can you write a verbal for this? I say, actually, I can't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what?
0: I know who can.
2: So- That's right. Welcome, Tiff. I'm like, Thanks. Tiff, how do I log into the web? Wait, never mind. Forget <laughs> it. Hey, can you give me that <laughs> password for the 12th time? Whoa. Tiff, I- <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: <We're> gonna- <laughs> Actually, this isn't going to be a Q&A. This is going to be a therapy session for Tiff. And I'm sorry. I'm going to write it down. We've opened some wounds. No, I'm not. Um, no, this is a Q&A, and today's awesome because it's your questions. You guys have sent in some really amazing questions. Um, I really wish that we had amazing answers. We're going to do our best. But actually, you've got some really good stuff to get us started.
2: Well, since it's Q&A, I didn't know I had this. But I'm going to start with a question that I actually had the answer to. So as it turns out, I was listening to the debrief. Never occurred to me that I can now use this as a rebuttal to anything (laughs) Matt says on there. So, but yeah. You're welcome, Matt Brown. Matt Matt tells this story of us flying across the country last week and how I picked a fight with the guy next to me. Yeah, you did. I would like to, here's the question I'm going to pose and then I'm going to give the answer. If you're in the middle row on the airplane... Or any row, any of the three, if you're any of the three, do you just assume that that middle armrest is yours? That's the question. Is the assumption that both outside seats get that middle armrest? Question is no. Here's the, here's the, I mean, that's the answer. The answer answer is is no. So Matt and I fly to New York for a conference a few weeks ago. I'm in the middle seat between two guys. I'm not saying this is a man thing. I just haven't had a woman do this to me yet. Right. (laughs) I sit down, both guys, including Matt Brown, on each side of me, take both armrests. There's me sitting with my hands folded in my lap. Okay. I'm already in the middle seat. I'm already in the bad seat. I'm already squished. Okay? The eight in me. No armrests. Fine. I get it. No armrests. So the whole way there, I'm like, in my mind thinking... Why does this guy, not Matt, like Matt, you can have the armrest. I love you. Mm-hmm. Have the armrest. I'll put my arm on oh, your arm and we'll hold hands sweet. and it's going to be so sweet. Okay. <laughs> other guy, like, why does he just sit down and assume that he gets the armrest, that it's his, like, but he's just like comfortable. Because like, he gets the up, other one. Moving on. Like he gets both armrests. Like no. it never occurred to him. Maybe I want the armrest. I'm fine not having it. So we go there. I start thinking of this in my mind. Pondering it, like, why? Why does he just assume? Why does he just assume? So then we're flying home. And I sit down in the middle seat. Why am I always in the middle seat, Matt? Why yeah. do you assume that you always you don't have to in the middle seat. seat?
1: You deserve Because you know seat.
2: what I want to start doing with Matt Brown? Looking at our ticket. <laughs> and see. And seeing who actually has the middle How seat. Do you always get the window <laughs> because seat? Because sometimes my seat isn't the middle seat. <laughs> and yet... I always (laughs) sit in the middle seat, so I'm thinking to myself, maybe we start going by the seat number on our ticket. Just a thought. I'm not saying that I'm going to go there, but something thought. But we sit down, and again, but this time, guy doesn't just have his arm on the armrest; he has it like elbowing over to where his elbow could be resting on my hip bone. No,
1: and I'm like,
2: okay. So I guess he gets the armrest and the first four inches of my seat, and we're touching. No. Like, his elbow's touching my hip bone.
1: No. So I let it go for a few (laughs) minutes. That's what Melody would do. And
2: then finally... You want to (laughs) touch? Because I'm like, do I say something? I'm not typically aggressive. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Outwardly aggressive. (laughs) But... I'm like, I can't go five and a half hours. We haven't even taken off yet. He's resting his elbow on my hip bone. No. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I put my arm here? To where he responds to me. Oh, what what do you want to do? Draw a line down the the armrest and you get your half. I get my half. Like very aggressive to me. And I said, No, actually I just like to put my arm in my seat because you have the whole armrest. Like I did say exactly yep. that in that tone of voice. To which he kind of like didn't know how to respond. <laughs> I put my arm there, put my headphones on. Like, cause you know, that's the clear sign of, and we're all done. And we're done. Here. Put
1: Case my hoodie closed. on, look
2: over at Matt. And Matt's like, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yes I did. That's why you work out, bro. Then, right. I mean, we, it was understood between, my, I didn't actually say to the guy, like Matt said on the debrief, my husband's going to fight you. Like, <laughs> But it was understood between Matt and I how that was going to go oh, down. You will. <laughs> but then the whole flight. So now he has his arm on the armrest. And now his leg. Mm-mm. His leg, which Goodness. I learned on the debrief is called man spreading. Like he's man spreading into half my leg space. I'm already in the middle, sucky <laughs> seat, you guys. <laughs> and I don't know if this is, again, maybe women do this. I've never encountered that. But men, here's the question Do I get both armrests? Maybe, but maybe not. Yeah. But maybe you get But you one. don't get my leg space. No. And maybe we share it. We and like you don't take get turns. my hip bone. Right? <laughs> That's just like. And so the answer is maybe, but maybe not. The answer don't is Don't just assume over. that you get them, okay? Okay. Back to real Q&As. <laughs> Tiff, did we get any? We did. <laughs> I think it's safe just to say. I need that to clear up. I need <laughs> that to be known out there. Yeah. It's a thing. But
0: I think it's safe to say this flight was not where Tammy did her random acts of kindness for
1: the week. <laughs> no, it was not. I think that comes I, later. I cannot think we hashtag disagree because maybe that. my
2: kindness is that I didn't bring up the man spreading. You know what? I feel like sometimes kindness is what you do. And sometimes sometimes it's, it's in what you, you don't, don't do. do. Your <laughs> kindness is
1: that you didn't throat punch him. Right? <laughs> yeah. Here's, okay. We're dropping lists. like I can't thing. even right now. That's right, ladies. Here's a real do thing. Do not throat punch anyone today. This is totally not about this. <laughs> that might be podcast. But speaking of throat punching, <laughs> I'm going to say
2: this story that happened on my same trip. Oh, I land and we realize we're landing in Jersey, not New York. <laughs> <laughs> in Newark, New Jersey, of all places. So I text Mel, "Hey Mel, I'm in Jersey. What do I need to know?" <laughs> This is a real thing. She texts, I wish I had my phone in front of me. She texts me and said, like, okay, don't look anyone in the eye. I'm like, okay. Also, don't smile. People are going to think it's weird if you're happy. They're, they're not going to trust you. No one's happy in Newark, okay? <laughs> and then she's like, and finally, like, thro- if you have to, throat punch them. I'm like, okay, don't look anybody in the eye. Got it. Okay, don't look too happy. Look angry so <laughs> no one suspects. Okay, got it. And if all comes to, like, push comes to shove, throat punch. Okay, got it. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go." The point. I'm like this is our real conversation. I just said
0: have RBF. Like just look like yeah. you're busy. Like, okay, you RBF, somewhere to go. It. That's how you survive. If you just look like I'm so happy to be here, you're dead. You're dying. And
2: so I did all of the, everything she told me, and I got out okay. And she <laughs> took <laughs> that right onto the plane. Yeah, I took it real serious. When we got back, I was like, I'm in Jersey. I don't need to let this guy. That's my, my armrest, babe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, I'm sorry, everybody. All right, let's just take a deep breath. It's real (laughs) (laughs) conversation. Okay, so we did get some real, really good, real questions from the women out there. Super real, yeah. Excellent questions. We
2: are the people to answer. (laughs) Like literally
1: last week, I'm like Tiff. I don't feel like
2: (laughs) I can answer any of these questions
1: (laughs) for reals. (laughs) They're good, lady. You have us on our toes for sure. So we're gonna start with. Let's bring it. With marriage. Um, And really, we got a lot of questions about just having a healthy marriage, Mm -hmm. um, particularly from women who have husbands that are non-believers, and then what that looks like as they're trying to kind of not only just journey through life, but through faith and coming to church, even how that extends to family, Mm -hmm. um, raising up kids, disciplining kids. And how you navigate all that when you have somebody who you feel like just is not on the same page as sure. who you are. So, Mel, you want to start with that one?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to speak from a place mm-hmm. of an outsider's perspective. You know, my husband is a pastor. Um, he's still a sinner. So we can still we still have that in common. I love you, babe. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my husband's mom was uh, she became a believer when my husband and his siblings were young and became a devoted follower of Jesus and took her kids to church and all of that. And my husband's dad for 20 years was not a believer. And she would go to Bible study. She would host Bible study. She would she volunteered, like she didn't just go to church. Like she was an active part of that church. And he was not even, not just an unbeliever. I think he would have said he was like an agnostic, like not even mm-hmm. sure if there really was a God, very hostile to faith. Um, when my husband was little, he said to his dad, if I were a Passover church, would you come to my church? And he said, no, like he, he was that staunch. Um, but at the age of 43, 20 years into their marriage, he needed open heart surgery and as he comes to this very vulnerable place he was a very self-sufficient man when he came to this vulnerable place um it was his wife that he reached out to to actually say he said i need to know god and you're the person who can who can tell that to me and the reason i share that story is because for 20 years she modeled for him what i think grace um compassion uh s- submission love looked like when her spouse could not meet that need of having a spiritual husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, She prayed for him. She prayed for him. And first Peter talks about this. It talks about you Mm -hmm. win over your husband by the testimony of your life. So my, my encouragement, you know, to, to those of you out there who are married to someone who's an unbeliever is, um, pray for them. And when I say pray for them, I mean, like, Leave your all on the altar. Pray for mm-hmm. them that God would change their heart, and then live out the best um, version of your faith in front of them that you can. Don't nag. Um, I know that's hard. Um, love love them for who they are. Um, be gracious. And be compassionate. Um, and in those places where you feel like you just can't do it another day, or you just mm-hmm. can't do it another, or you know whatever that those. Um, I would say in kind of referencing something we talked about earlier, sometimes it's in the things that you don't say or the things that you mm-hmm. don't do that can communicate selflessness and sacrificial love when someone's not where you want them to be spiritually. And that's inside of marriage.
2: Yeah. I, I think what I, I would, I, I have other thoughts on it, but initially I would say that's sort of in line with our whole vision of why kindness matters for Cultivate it's not about the kindness. It's about the credibility. Yeah, And without kindness, we have zero credibility with people. Mm. I think that's true in marriage. You know, Matt and I get asked this question all the time, clearly in in the role that we play here at Sandals. And, you know, um, it has many different facets to it of like, I want to give, I want to tithe, but my husband doesn't like, why would you give your money to the church? And, you know, our answer typically is some version of, like honoring that, including your spouse in that, whether Mm -hmm. it's a husband, you know, in this case, it's husbands that aren't believer, but of just saying like, Hey, this would mean so much to me. What, what are you comfortable with me giving? If I give anything, would you be okay? Yeah. And if they're not to honor them in that and say, okay, would you consider it for the future? And we can get back to this. Um, one of the best things you can do though, is just really love them where they're at. Yeah. And that's so hard, especially when there's kids involved. And to say things like, you know, I'd love the kids to come to this thing. Are you comfortable with it? Because what you're going to do is just stir anger um, if you are so blatant against <laughs> them. Because, I mean, you, now that you are a believer, or if you were all along, Mm -hmm. and you entered into it. No matter what, you made that covenant to love that person. That person still matters to God. That covenant's still real before God, between you and God. And so honoring that person, as hard as that is, is going to be your best line of defense. And what I mean by defense is defense against them, rejecting Mm -hmm. God, rejecting the church. And I mean, this is true in anything, any relationship that we do is... Every opportunity that you get a chance to um, praise them, Mm -hmm. do it like, hey, when you like, thank you so much for being for me, giving to momentum or thank you so much for coming with me this day or man, when we prayed together or when you were super nice to my friend from church that any opportunity to encourage that type of involvement. I mean, don't be fake about it or flattering or sticky be genuinely because that's going to matter to them of like, no, I saw that you did this because you love me. Mm-hmm. Cause at that point it's because they love you, not because they love God. Right. And so every opportunity, which is going to really just be more for your cause mm-hmm. of wanting them to know God too. Um, like Melody said, the, the best thing you can do is, is bring them before God, like wholeheartedly. And that's an inward thing though. That's your private time with God. Um, But the outward thing is, is your husband is your full-time ministry. So you're, you know, we put up with, put up is the wrong word. Like we'll, we, we aren't as, we don't make as big a deal about things with people who don't know God because they don't know God that we do with people who do. Yeah, and, and that's your, that's your world inside your home of like, there's some things that you're like, Hey, as a believer, you shouldn't, that, that doesn't get to be your argument yeah because they're not like when we, when the end goal is that someone meets Jesus so that their life is forever changed here mm-hmm. and for all eternity, what, what matters changes. Yeah. You know, um, what matters changes. And so your, your first ministry is to your husband and that means that you're going to, you're going to tolerate for lack of a better word, put up with some things, um let a lot go mm-hmm. in grace. Um because his like his heart and his salvation becomes the most important thing. Even you and him aren't the most important thing and I think that's a good perspective is your heart for your husband can't be that he meets Jesus so that you're you you feel better yeah. so that you you all can go to church. I mean that's the that's the fruit of it and the beauty of it and the blessing. But your heart, you might need to check your own heart to say, what is my motive? Because your motive needs to be that he has a relationship with God and an eternity in heaven in his presence. So, you know, make sure your even your own motive is not selfish, but it's out of a pure love for your spouse. Yeah. And I, a couple of questions
0: came in, I think too, about people who were like in a, maybe a dating relationship. And mm-hmm. this was kind of, and so I have completely different advice e- absolutely. for you. Yeah. And my advice yeah. to you is stop. <laughs> like, it, because in 10 or 15 years, these will be your questions of my husband doesn't love God or my husband doesn't go to church. You have the choice right now to say, Hey, you know what? you know, you don't want to have the, it's not you, it's me conversation, even though that could God be a told thing. Me. God told me. Um, but you need to be aligned and the Bible is so clear about that. How can two walk together unless they mm-hmm. be agreed? And if you are continuing to pursue a relationship with a guy who doesn't know God, doesn't love God, or you feel like you're just bringing him along, I promise you that, um, there's a really good chance that that's going to become a miserable existence for you. Um, because after I do, everything gets harder. Everything gets just um, so much more difficult to navigate. And um, and you may think, well, right now I don't want to be lonely. Right now I don't want to be by myself. Um, you'd rather be by yourself pursuing God the way that he wants you to. In the short term, yes. let's add that. Because- yes. Yeah. Than in a relationship with someone who you feel torn. You feel like I'm pursuing God and I'm trying to hold on to you. That's a divided affection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would like to say to girls all the time, if you really believe that God is good, and if you really believe that God is for you, and if you really believe that God has the best things in store for you, then be willing to surrender your here and now. Mm-hmm. Be willing to surrender this relationship. Um, turn it over to God and say, I'm going to take my hands off. Lead me in the way that I should go. And watch him do what he's really good at. Um, he does give us good things and sometimes they don't come in our time. They don't come when we want them. Um, and may, and we have to keep a heavenly perspective and all of this, that we're not, we're not living for the blessings here on earth. Mm-hmm. It's eternity that we know is coming. Um, but those relationships, those dating relationships that are, um, you're not aligned. Um, I, I don't encourage anyone to, to pursue those because I think that they come with a lot of unnecessary heartache.
2: Well, and I think that's it's such a different conversation, yeah, with people who are not married. And after being in ministry for almost twenty-four years now, that is one of the biggest things I see with women. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we got to to speak to the young adult girls this week and I said one of the hardest things for me is trying to help women on the other side untangle yes. all of the places they compromised. Mm-hmm. It's just harder. It doesn't mean it's not doable. It doesn't mean God can't do a miracle and that God doesn't redeem and heal that, but it's the hard way. Yep. But if you are not married, here's the thing. You think it doesn't matter now. It matters. It will matter sooner or later, but it will matter. Mm-hmm. And I see, I see this happened time and time again. People compromise their relationship with God, compromise the being equally yoked on the front end. And it's disastrous on the back end, And, here, and that looks like a whole bunch of different things. Like maybe it doesn't matter when it's just the two of you, but now all of a sudden you have kids mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, when I grew up, if you were raised in the faith, like I went to church, I went to Sunday school, we prayed before whatever. And if your spouse is like, wait, what? You know, you're, you were the deal changer. They didn't change. Mm-hmm. You're the one changing. Yeah. And It's going to matter when you have children and you want them to, and you have someone that's like, no, that's not what I believe. Like it is the most disastrous thing you can do for your life. Mm -hmm. Like the the two biggest decisions you make in your life, one to follow Jesus two, who you marry. Yep. And, you know, I, I see that like in a dating relationship that I'm going, well, and one of two things happens. And we did see these in the questions, either we're different journeys on it, or we're not even on the same journey at all. Mm -hmm, Right. Even the different journey thing needs to matter mm-hmm. because if you, if you are even unequally like, well, they say they believe in God, but they still don't think going to church is important. Even that matters. Like you need to be somewhat aligned in what you believe and how you think that plays out. Cause it's one thing to say, I believe in God, but I don't go to church. I don't want to serve. I don't want to tithe. I, you know, I'm not about praying. Well, then I would say, what do you actually believe? Right. Because we live what we actually believe. When I'm driving in my car and I believe at the bottom of Washington, there's a speed trap every day. The second I get near there, I, I start going exactly the speed limit because I believe I'll get a ticket. Yeah. I behave what I believe. So, so even people who say they believe, the way they, that plays out is indicative to what they actually believe. And those are really important things for dating people to pay attention to because you are setting trajectory of your whole life. One of my dearest friends, um, got married, super young, dated a non-believer. They, they were a believer, but fallen away from God. This is what a lot of the questions started with. When I got married, I had fallen away from God. Now I want to get back. You know what you compromise on then catches up to you later mm-hmm. because here's the deal. Now my friend has several kids, None of them went to church because her husband never wanted to go to church. So they had a lifetime of not going to church and a lifetime of not taking their kids to church. Well, now the kids are all living however they want. And my friend is like, well, I was raised a believer. I know better this. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Well, these kids have never, it's like, why shouldn't I? This is. Yeah, and now there's grandkids coming into play, mm. and the grandkids aren't in church. Do you see how that's a multi generational decision because you compromised? Yeah, and these hard conversations that we've had of like that one choice I made. Yep, that one choice I made to not marry someone who believe what I believe. Now I have all the kids and the grandkids that don't know Jesus. Yep, and so I cannot stress enough on this how much it matters, and that might be really hard. It might be hard to say no to someone that's awesome and you love them and but what else is really really hard if not harder is knowing that your children won't be in eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. And don't know God because knowing God's just not about not going to hell. It's also about the life you live here. Yep. You know, yep. um, I love how in the series, Matt's saying like the 10 commandments won't save your soul, but they will save your life. Mm-hmm. I mean that, you know, and, and my friend is like, well, look at your life. I'm like, but we made di- like just different choices, you know, and we, we did doing it God's way is the harder way, but it's the better yep. way long-term. It's harder at first. So I told the young adults last week, like a lot of the world right now believes in your twenties, you, you live it up. Like that's your time. And I disagree. I think in your twenties, you're building your life on the rock mm-hmm. so that in your thirties and beyond, you're living the life God has for you. Instead, what I see all over the place. And again, we're broken. It's going to be our tendency to sin and, and go sideways and whatever. But what I'm seeing is people spending their thirties, forties, fifties, and beyond completely in a wreckage and trying to undo all the damage that was done in those early years of choices. Yeah. And so that's, that's not, it's not undoable with God. All things are possible, but it's the hard way. Yeah. It, what you said
0: about, um, the choice and the consequence, this is something I've tried to teach my kids. You can choose your choices you can't choose your consequences and you can't control your consequences. Mm -hmm. So what you just mentioned, this decision because I was lonely or this Mm -hmm. decision because I just wanted someone or this because I loved him. That's a decision you're making. I was afraid
2: to have the hard conversation. Yeah.
0: I'm choosing that, but I don't get to choose what comes as a result of making Mm -hmm. that choice. And we just live in a, a culture today where like forethought and wisdom and looking down the road aren't high values. Mm-hmm. It's like it's all about the here and now. Like do what makes you feel good right now, and the world's like, do you and Jesus is like deny yourself? Like yeah. they're they're yeah. at odds with each other, and so who you listen to and then mm-hmm. what you do with that really matters. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, Mel, can you talk real quickly? Because our heart so much this year is for cultivating community, particularly for, you know, the women who are asking these questions, you know, that are walking in a marriage that's difficult and hard, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that be with a believer or not believer, or even walking through singleness, why it's so important that they're connecting with other women in community. Yeah.
0: That's, we say this all the time, spiritual growth best takes place in the context of community. There's very few things, you know, one of the things that I have told my team recently is um, if you did it alone, like whatever, something with your job, you could have done it better because collaboration and community, better things happen. And so if we could really wrap our minds around the fact that when we're isolated, we are much more prone to sad thoughts, uh, depressing thoughts when we keep those to ourselves Um, isolation tends to lead to hiding. Um, hiding Mm. tends to lead towards a lot of self justification. I'm okay with this. And Mm. since I'm the only person who knows, and that is the Mm. enemy's plan of attack against the believer. Tammy talked about this on our last podcast, those nature shows that Matt makes her watch of like, look at the beautiful gazelles. And then. RIP dead gazelle that got away from the pack, right? It's it's a real thing. And so as you're navigating singleness, as you're navigating a hard marriage, as you're navigating a divorce, as you're navigating a difficult relationship with your mother-in-law or with a, a prodigal child, those things are really, really hard. And those things are harder when you're trying to navigate them by yourself or by yourself and just showing up for church on the weekend and sitting and listening and leaving. That's awesome. But Pastor Matt will tell you every week, you're supposed to leave there and get into a group of believers and figure it out and work it out together. And because life is hard, we need community. I mean, that's the bottom line. So you might have a husband who's not supportive, but you can go to your group And say, this is really hard. And they go, we love you. We're here for you. You can go into your group and say, everyone's getting married except for me we love you, we're for you, hang in there. We believe that God's got something great for you. That That's what community does. It There's a story in the Bible of Moses who's leading the children of Israel into battle. And the Lord had said, as long as your arms are raised, there will be victory in the battle. But Moses gets tired. And so Aaron and her come beside Moses and they say, we will hold your arms up for you because he couldn't do it anymore. And that's a beautiful picture of what community is. This life, it gets really hard and overwhelming and you're getting tired and exhausted. We will come up alongside of you and hold your arms up for you. We will pray you through this. We will walk you through this. Um, that's why, that's why what we're saying this year is whoever you are, whatever your stage of life, whatever your season of life is, there's community for you get in it because you need it.
2: And here's what I would say to that, to like the arm raising is especially a minute ago, I talked about the woman, like your husband's, your, your ministry, Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to set aside a lot of things to love him well, um, through the lens of Jesus, you know, there's still going to be things that drive you nuts and, You know, if you're just constantly nagging at him, yelling, criticizing him, whatever, you know, that's going to get tangled up in his mind with your, I thought you said you're a Christian, you know, community is a place, not that you go verbally vomit all over your people, but just to say like, here's the things that I'm really, that, that I'm, I'm being long suffering about Mm. Like that I, you know, that I'm having patience with because I love him. And, but can you guys pray for me? Cause it's hard. Right. Like letting things go is hard. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a big like advocate for your group is not your place for you to go verbally vomit every week. Um, and just like put all our crap out there. That's what I always hear about. Like, we need a place to just put all our crap out there. No, no you need a place to be like, here's how, here's what's going on. And, and what has got like, remind me of God, what God says about me. Mm-hmm what God's word says about me or my situation or how I need to like, that's what community is about. Um, but also, you know, people say, well, no one in here understands, you know, what's been the most interesting. I know you'll agree with this, Mel, is that at the end of seasons and groups, women will say to me, Oh my God, did you know everyone in my group has already suffered a miscarriage or had been through divorce or, and we're like, Nope, Nope. (laughs) we just said yeah. these ten women will go table ten. Yeah. Like um, the Holy Spirit knows, God's yeah. know God knows, and He orchestrates that stuff. And so I've seen time and time again, like two women or three women of a group of ten, and three of them have that, and they just are like, let's support one another and mm-hmm. let's pray for each other's husbands. You know, now it's not just you praying for your husband's soul, but you have a group praying for them, or a woman who said, hey, let me tell you this, like your mother-in-law,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I prayed for. Twenty how, 20, years. Twenty years. Don't give don't up. Don't give up. Yep. Because look at what God did, yep. and so that, and then that woman, man, when she's on her worst day of like, he's never gonna know. You know, she's like, don't give up. Yep. And so that that's just what the Lord does in communities. It's a magic that we, we that can't, we can't understand yeah, because yeah. we can't orchestrate that's, it. That's just. And the word magic's not right, but it is magical the way that that happens. Yeah. And it's Jesus you, magic. Yeah, yeah, You
1: just don't, you just don't know it. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. We've seen some amazing things happen in those groups. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So let's transition to, um, this other topic that we got a lot of questions about, which was family dynamics and particularly <laughs> mother-in-law's. Um, I lot... love my mother in law, <laughs> Rachel. Workman, I love you. <laughs> a lot of questions just about, um, you know, setting healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, being grown women, being adult children who are married, we have kids of our own. You know, how do we navigate that relationship so that it's healthy, so that we're healthy, so that those healthy boundaries are defined, you know, even to the point of trying to avoid um, constant anxiety. You know, some women are saying, this is such a struggle for me that it's causing real anxiety for me in my life. And is that defined it as a toxic relationship? Um, so Tammy, why don't you take this one? Just kind of, how do we set up those healthy boundaries with, um, parents or mother-in-laws in particular in this case? You know, that, that is like family, is the trickiest yeah, because you
2: you have two people come together with completely different family values, upbringings, dynamics, levels of health, levels of growth, levels of whatever. Um, And I know for Matt and I, this has been one of our trickiest things to navigate is the mother-in-laws, my mom to him, his mom to me. And so, um, you know, there's been times where we've gotten it right. There's times where we get crazy. There's times that we've let it get us against one another. Um, and here's the truth. Now that I have kids, it's really interesting because like in, in some of these questions that I read that came in, I'm like, I'm not even thinking about my mother-in-law or my mom to Matt. I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, if I'm not careful, that's me. Like, (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to tell Ethan like what to do or like boss my girl. Like, because if we're not intentional, here's where I want to go with this. If we're not intentional about who we want to be, it doesn't happen. Like who you want to become takes intentionality. And I think a lot of people enter into relationships in family dynamics, just thinking it just happens like, Hey, we're all going to want it. Or they're going to love who I am. You know, my mother-in-law and I, we're very, very different. And, um, my mom and Matt are very, very different. And so, for Matt and I, what we've had to do when it comes to mothers is we have had to put some boundaries, which have been hard. It's me Matt's had to have some hard conversations with his mom. I've had to have some hard conversations with my mom. Um, I've had to tell my mom, you know, Hey, we can't do this. And I don't want to do that as my mom. Like, I think my mom's awesome. He thinks his mom's so awesome. You know, <laughs> Like we get very defensive of our moms. The bottom line is that Matt and I are called to be for each other first when you get married that That takes a while. It's like velcro, you know, like unvelcroing from your family of origin to your new spouse yes. is yes. hard and tricky. And it there's no like easy way to do it. I mean, that's why San Jose Church is in Riverside. I couldn't unvelcro from my family. They lived here, and I said, I'm not moving with you because I didn't see Matt as my family yet. It mm. took it took five years for me to feel like. It's like, you know, your, your hand is on one and the other. And if you let go either way, you're going to fall. That's how I felt. Like I didn't feel safe to let go of my parents and to just attach to Matt, but that's what marriage is. And so I, I've been counseling a lot of girls even lately about mother-in-law stuff. And I said, you guys can't be against each other because of the mother-in-laws. Matt and I had to learn that early on. We cannot be fighting and against each other because of our mothers. Mm-hmm um, bottom line. So we need to figure out together those boundaries. You know, I don't get to just tell Matt, nor does he get to just tell me like, we're not doing your family because the Bible says, honor your mother and your father. Yeah. yeah. And so Matt and I have had to figure out what does that look like? Sometimes it looks like having a hard conversation. Sometimes it looks like shutting our mouth and smiling and just taking one on the chin. Like, you know, both are, are true for us. Um, Because I I never would want Matt to not have a relationship with his mom. And he would never want me not to have one with our mom, vice versa. And um, the tricky thing, though, is, you know, what does that look like? Like, I I have some people that I look at their relationship with their mother-in-law, and I'm so jealous. I'm like, man, I wish that's what mine looked like. And then I have some people that I look at, and I'm like, man, I'm so thankful for my mother-in-law that we don't have that. You know, it's just... It's gonna be tricky, like you know, for my mother-in-law. I mean, she didn't have any daughters, so she only relates to boys, like or or she only related, like she knew how boys were and how you could be. And then I come into the picture. I'm the you know, Matt's the older, so I'm the first daughter-in-law, and they don't know what to do with me because I'm not like either of their boys. You know, mm. the way my family dynamic was growing up was couldn't have been more different than his, and so. You know, I'm coming into their family and it's just like, here's how we do it. And I'm like, well, here's how we do it. You know, kind of a deal. <laughs> this is how we do it. <laughs> and and Matt's coming into mine and I'm like, oh, here's how we do it. And he's like, Why well, I don't do it like that. Right. You know, that is yeah. such a tricky thing. Over time, it gets easier. I'm very motivated by my own son. Yeah because um, I want to be a part of his life and I recognize that if I don't have a good relationship with his wife that's gonna that's gonna alter that I've seen that enough in in people around me and that might mean that I need to let her be her his wife doesn't need to be me yeah a lot good. of mother-in-laws have a really hard time not controlling who their daughter-in-law is yeah they think the daughter-in-law needs to parent the way they parented discipline the way they discipline, do what they do. And that's just not, that's not who God made that daughter-in-law to be. On the other hand, it's not fair. And I've been guilty of this, of not honoring. And this is a place, you know, when, when I've gotten critical of my mother-in-law, um, the very few times Peggy, um, (laughs) if you're listening, you know, at the end of the day, like I am in such gratitude to her for the fact that my husband is the man of God that he is. Mm. You know, my husband woke up every day to see his mom studying his Bible, her Bible. And she's a very disciplined person. And she's very like, if I said it, I'm doing it. What that instilled in Matt is, um, he's reliable. Mm. His word is his word. And you know, I can't discredit anything that I might be different than her. I can't discredit the fact of the influence that she shaped my husband and all of the good things that he is. And I'm so grateful. So that helps me mm-hmm. put aside, take it on the chin every once in a, a very few times, Peggy, but you know, <laughs> like when I'm like, find myself getting frustrated because it's two women, like one time Matt and I, side story, one time Matt and I lived with another couple, some of our dearest friends, when we found ourselves to be homeless in between selling a house and buying a house. And we thought it'd be like two weeks. It ended up being almost six months. And it was this thing that happened between me and one of my closest friends was who's in charge. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like women just have this, like, this is my territory. It's my, and that's what you get in your own home. I think that dynamic comes into play a lot. If that came into to, uh, with a friend of mine, like a territory of like, well, here's how I load the dishwasher, well, here's how I load it, you know, like mm-hmm. between two girls the same age they are super close friends, of course it's gonna happen with the mother-in-law. You know, I think mother-in-laws need to work on not being offended when their their son's or daughter's spouse isn't like them. It doesn't mean I don't I think how you did it wrong. It's Here's how I'm wired to do it. Yeah. Mother-in-laws need to relax a little bit on that. All the time when I find myself getting all like in a frenzy about something, Matt, Matt's like, well, what would you, you know, what what are you going to do with Ethan when it's like that? You're going to be, you know, I'm like, Ugh. that just really brings it home to me. Ev. So all that to say, Matt and I have really gotten to a place with both the mother-in-laws where we try to find the things that, we can learn of they do this really well and that's the kind of mother-in-law I want to be or hey this was harmful to our relationship we want to be careful to not do that for whatever reason you know so so that we we are focused less on what the mother-in-law is or isn't and more on who we want to be yeah um but at the end of the day always 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 that scripture cultivating that scripture honor your father and your mother. Mm. Sometimes I'm going to say it again. Sometimes that looks like a hard conversation. And sometimes it looks like swallowing your pride, swallowing your way, swallowing your feelings, letting it go. It doesn't have to be your way. I mean, they don't live in for the most part, they don't live in your house. You know, you can take it for an hour at Christmas, three hours at Christmas, whatever a week's vacation, and then go home and do it your way. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can, be self-sacrificing in that way to honor the person that raised yeah. the person that you love most in the world.
1: That's good. Yeah, it's really good. Mel, can you touch on you know what about when this relationship gets to a point where it is causing you you know physical and emotional stress? Mm. Because even to the point where women are saying it makes me question my faith because I have such a hard time navigating this relationship.
0: Yeah, that's hard. I mean, and that's hard, not just with a mother-in-law. It can be with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that we you have to learn as you're growing in your faith is how do I balance kindness and, and love and compassion and grace and at the same time um, do things that, are, that make me well and that keep me in a, in a right frame of mind, which is why boundaries is not a bad word. And mm. in every relationship boundaries have to be factored into the conversation. And so here's what I have found. And this is a generic, like kind of like an umbrella over lots of different issues. If, if we can learn to be both grace givers and truth tellers and not choosing one over the mm-hmm. other, or the other, and not even trying to, to balance, but be a full on truth teller and a full on grace giver. So for me as, as an eight, one of the things that I have to do in relationship with people is I have to lean hard into empathy in order sometimes to practice grace and practice like forgiveness. Um, because I'm like, I'm right, you're wrong and do it my way or you're dead or you die. It's like, we, we, it's that simple (laughs) in my mind and it's not that simple. So it's, it's me learning and growing. Um, but sometimes that means I love you, but I can't do this right now. Sometimes it means I love you, and I love your mom. I'm not okay. I need to stay home. I need to leave early. I need to. I need permission to pay attention to what's going on inside, and either remove myself from a toxic situation. Um, sometimes, you know, use wisdom and discernment to know when do when do I need to bear through mm-hmm. and and make it, or when is this just becoming like, I'm not going to be well, like mentally, spiritually, emotionally, if I don't create some distance and, and just be honest about that. And, and here's what I found in those conversations. That's typically where relationships go deeper. They tend to stay shallow when we never talk about it. Mm -hmm, When you just smile and go, huh, but we never talk about it. And and here's where you have to be careful. Um, You may be able to handle the meat of the word and someone may still be sipping a straw. So just like you can't feed a baby steak, Mm -hmm. you, sometimes you can't have deep spiritual conversations with people who aren't there. So sometimes the, the most real thing you can do is say, I love you. I need, like, I have to go, or I love you. I need to talk about this with you later. Could we table this until tomorrow? Mm. Um, and again, I, I really practice God, give me wisdom in this moment to know what to do and what to say. Mm -hmm. He's really good about, about answering you. Um, and, and using that having those conversations, what do healthy boundaries look like? Adam and I have had to have these conversations. Um, we have to have these conversations with our kids and their friends because we recognize that toxic relationships can really send you down a spiral that you don't want to go down. Um, and, and being healthy emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. and we've, we've talked about this and cultivate is really, really important.
2: I I, I want to add on that if just like the idea of practical things that you would say, yeah, you know, um, you like between Matt and I, it's like okay, I'm not like I can't tell him, he can't tell me we're never visiting. You know, we've we had an argument once. He's like, your mom's never coming over again, mom. I'm just being hypothetical, but you know, like I'm like okay, we like that. That's not fair for either to say that like never. But you can say, okay, here, here's where we can both agree, which means one person might have to do more than they want and one has to do less, Mm -hmm. but it's not okay to cut your family out unless there is, I mean, there are reasons that that happens when they're, they are toxic, they're addicted, abusive, something like that. But that's not, that's kind of. The exception, not the norm, right? You know, and so to to just have those real conversations of what, how many times a year do we visit? Do we stay over? Do we get a hotel when we visit? You know, yep. Right. Um, those are boundaries. Yeah. yeah, like do we do a week or do we say three days is what it it like? a Day four, it always goes awry, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a deal. Um, Do we host or do we let them host? And then we go there because then we can say we're coming and then we're leaving. You know, there's a lot of practical things to do. I just recently, this is what made me think of this, did some counseling with a woman who's having a hard time with her mother-in-law and there's some addiction issues. And, you know, she's like, she can never see the kids because I know she might. And I'm like, okay, what are you not okay with? Well, I don't want the kids in the car. I said, okay, that's a different issue than I can never see the kids. Mm. So that might be harder on you because now you can say, it's not that we can't all go to dinner. It's let's all go. We'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. You have to drive your kids. Now you don't have a grandma that gets to pick your kids up and give you the night off. That's not your situation Yeah, for now. Yeah. You know, maybe it will be. So like figure out the practical things to navigate it, to make it work without getting against each other. You know, remember that that person you love most in the world came from them. <laughs> and so there's got to be some good there right? And that you can find the gratitude for. When I catch myself with my mother-in-law or anybody else where all I'm thinking about is what they're not to me that I wish they were, oh, my gosh. But when I'm intentional to go, you know what, here's the things I'm grateful for the rest of it becomes a little more distant, like, you know, like a watermark instead of the real print on the page. And so that that's, there's so many things about my mother-in-law that are different than me, but there's so many things that I'm so grateful for her of how she raised my husband, the qualities he got from her. Um, you know, I'm so much less Like, oh, here's what I wish it was, or here's what it's not, you know, that kind of thing that I see so many women getting when I keep a perspective and remember that, you know, there's a weird thing about, and I'm not saying in-laws are abusers, stay with me for a second. There's a real truth about abusers and their victims where even if someone has abused somebody, the victim is still attached because it's what all they've known. Hmm. Well, here's a, here's how that looks in marriage. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying stay with me. I'm not <laughs> saying parents are abusers or whatever. Sometimes they are, but what I'm saying is good, bad, right, wrong, whatever your spouse, your husband, in this case, cause we're talking, you know, about with women, but you know, what their parents are is totally normal to them. It's all they've ever known. It's the love, the care, the life that they've had, like to come in and be like, yeah, no, that's not happening anymore. No, you know, it's like, yeah, they're flawed, but guess who else is flawed? Mm -hmm. I'm flawed. You're like, we're all flawed. And, you know, I see a lot of couples come into a relationship and being like, oh, you didn't, you never knew your parents was completely like screwed up. Let me tell you how they are. You know, I see that happen all the time, but to, to the child, even though they're an adult, that's their parents, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all they've ever known. You know, there's so many things in, in Matt and I's relationships where I'm like, or he'll say to me, like, I never thought of it like that. You know, I'm like, I never didn't think of it like that. Right, And vice versa. You know, I'm like, our family never did that. I love that, you know, kind of a deal. And so it's all we've known as our parents, good, bad, ugly, whatever. And here's the thing. It's all our kids are known. And the thought of my daughters or my son's spouse wanting them to not have a relationship with me motivates me to be the healthiest me I can be mm. to them. And so I'm taking in, I'm taking all of it in from both sides of our family of what has been the best for me, made me feel so loved, honored me. And I'm tucking that away. And then I'm also taking in the things that have been most hurtful. And I'm trying to challenge myself. Because I will do those things. I am so, man, I'm already speaking into my adult daughter's lives all the time. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I can't. But like, it's what I did for 18 years instinctively. And now all of a sudden I'm not supposed to. Right. Like, it's a weird Velcro detachment. They're happening, you know? And so good luck out there, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great advice though. Great advice. Um, okay. So let's dig into this topic, I'm which so is scared. women and sex. Go ahead, Mel. (laughs) Don't have it. Have a great day. We had some great questions just about how traditionally or typically we tend to see men be, you know, advised or counseled against, you know, pornography, purity. But that can be a big struggle for women, particularly those who are in a season of singleness and Mm -hmm. are trying to kind of navigate that and what that looks like. So, you know, how can we speak into women's lives and how can we as a community of women maybe even just be more conscious and supportive of the fact that that's an issue that women struggle with as well?
0: Yeah, I, I think I was blown away by statistics about pornography, that the statistics are equally as high, um, that it's a struggle for women, and just as much as it is for men, even though we typically do hear about it uh, for men. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the core for women is they are seeking intimacy, mm-hmm. and it's it's the same issue, but for different reasons. And so um, at, Tammy and I hung out with some young adult women from Sandals earlier in the week, And one of the things that I tried to stress to them is, um, society has treated sex like an extracurricular activity. Like it's just, you go to this party tonight, you might hook up with someone and then you just keep moving on. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Mm -hmm. I think what, what goes together are statistics on casual sex and statistics with women who are facing depression, um, suicidal thoughts, um, so true, weight issues, insecurities, they go together. Um, society tells us, no, you're just being free and being who you want to be. But whenever we take any of that and we go, okay, and I'm going to filter that through my biblical lens. We see that God just lays out, here's how you should live your life. I have created this thing called sex and here's how you should go about it. When we do that, we experience blessing. When we don't do that, um, we bring heartache and we bring consequence. And so I, I love to tell single women, one, stop looking for the one who will complete you. His name is Jesus. He already exists. You can have a relationship with him right now. Um, the guy that you're looking for to complete you doesn't, he's, he's not real because you're going to find another flawed, imperfect human being who's as flawed and imperfect as you are. And you're going to come together with all your baggage. (laughs) And that's not going to be a good, that's not going to be a good scenario. Um, so really, um, I want young women, especially single women in every stage of life, to learn how to lead themselves and feed themselves spiritually. You don't need anyone to lead you to God. Get into the word for yourself. Learn what God says about all of the things that you're facing. Memorize his word. We can memorize song lyrics like nobody's business. I have a friend, she can quote every episode of The Office. But in that, and people are like, I, I just can't memorize the Bible. Well, you don't have to memorize it in the King James with the these and the thous and the the witchets and the other all those <laughs> other crazy words. You don't need to sound like Shakespeare. But he says his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our mm-hmm. path. So in moments of I don't know how to navigate this, I'm lonely, I think I love him, um, I'm struggling with pornography, having God's word hidden in your heart that speaks truth to your feelings, that speaks truth sometimes in a world of lies, that's all we hear, is so important. It really becomes, like Tammy said, build your life on the rock. The word of God becomes your food. It becomes your sustenance. It becomes your, that's what I go to. I'm having thoughts about this. I'm going to the word. My friend told me this. I'm putting that in light of the word. It, like, it all comes back to that. And God speaks to it very plainly. So,
2: I, I, I couldn't agree more with all of that but I am going to touch on, um, the idea or the reality, I should say. What do you do in that season when you have really real physical needs? Mm -hmm. Like that's a real thing. So no matter what we know about God's word, no matter what, um, that kind of thing, all that is so true. And still your body is going to experience like real physical yeah. things that your body's made to experience. What do you do with those things? So th- that's where we need to be careful. And here, here's what I want to say to that is, and Matt will say this all the time. Like you touched on, like women go to porn um, for different reasons, mm-hmm. but also what porn is, is also different porn. Yes. Can be literal porn, like pornography, like watching sex, um, seeing sex or whatever. while I, I mean, what do you think is going to happen to you physically if you're watching all that? Right. So you need to not be watching it if you don't want to struggle with it. Mm. That There's that. But also for women, you know, wanting intimacy, it might not be actual porn. It might be a book you read. It might be a TV show you're watching. It might be where you're getting so worked up in your mind yeah. that your body wants to like Let's wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so for a better way to say, it, I'm getting real. This is supposed to be real conversations. Yeah, it, it is. And so that's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so you need to get real with yourself about what triggers you. Yeah. And because it's going to be a struggle. Like you, you, your body wants to have sex, mm-hmm. and, but, but you're not in a position to be having sex. And so you need to position yourself. Well, what are you listening to? What books are you reading? It's different different things trigger different people. Your book might do nothing for me, mm-hmm. but if it does something for you, you need to not read it. Yeah. You need to if if any movie with any kind of affection or something in it gets you all hot and bothered, you need to be careful what movies you're watching. Yeah. Like why make it worse on yourself? Yeah, you are the only person who can deal like deal with this. Mm-hmm. You're the gatekeeper to your body and your world and your mind and your eyes, and so you need to get real about. What is getting you turned on? What's getting you yeah. know, like mentally? Because for most women, not all, it's it starts in the mind and moves to the body. Mm-hmm. What are you putting in your mind? Yep, and whatever triggers you, stop putting it in your mind until it's in the right place, and that will minimize the struggle. Yep, the struggle is not going to go away. What you're needing to do is minimize it and then manage
0: it, and also. That's another reason why community is so important because to tell someone, this is my struggle right. and invite accountability. Hey, ask me what I did this week. Hey, ask me what I did on mm-hmm. Saturday night when I was home by myself. Hey, ask me because I want to do what's right, but it's hard, you know?
2: And, and the other benefit of community on that aspect is sometimes what's harder is to admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're so afraid if I tell someone this, man, they're going to look at me and think I'm gross and whatever, um, to be met in community. And this is why it's so important for women to be good heart handlers to say, I still love you. But this is not what's best for you. Right. And I, I will ask you, the motivation between indulging in a way you shouldn't or not might be, if I do this, do I want to be on his face? That, and that might be the very thing that yep. that you're, nope, I I would rather not have to look Melody in the face and say, guess what I did? Right? You know, then like that's going to be like, that's going to make me go from hot to cold like nobody's business. <laughs> and so, you me know too. what I'm it's saying? It's going to make me go from hot to cold too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, admit. Yes of that yeah is probably gonna simmer things down. Yeah. And that's what how accountability is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: good. Yeah. Mel, you encouraged the young adult gals the other day that asked that question, like, what if I'm already there? You know, I'm an unmarried woman and I'm in this situation and your counsel to them was stop stop. I mean, when you
2: don't need to pray about that, you don't need to think about it. The Bible says, turn and run from sexual lust. Yes. And I I said, you lose, back to credibility, use a lot
0: of credibility. You're like, I love Jesus while you're laying there naked talking about him. Like it just, it kind of, they don't go together. Um, And you... We all have to be challenged to think that if eternity is a real thing, if heaven is a real thing, if standing before Jesus is a real thing, then what I'm doing right now really matters. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying, who I'm in relationship with, how I'm choosing to live my life. If all of that's real, then what I'm doing right now really matters.
2: And it does really matter. Yeah. Yeah. How you're living your one and only life really Really matters. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, these questions this week were so good, so hard. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we read them and we're like, uh, okay. <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> Who's answering that one? Yeah. <laughs> Some of them were like, we're not doctors. <laughs> no. So we're going to table that one for <laughs> right. your actual, actual we're physician. We're that. also not clinical psychologists. No. But what we do want to do is have real conversation about these real things that we're all really navigating. And so thank you so much for these questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's close it out with talking real quickly about kindness. Um, because nothing about today has been real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I, make this one quick hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but. I think because so much of what Cultivate does is kindness, and a lot mm-hmm. of that revolves around that, sometimes that's misunderstood as being sort of this saccharine sweet sort of behavior we should have um, rather than something that we need to be intentional about in a world where women can mm-hmm. genuinely just not be kind and what that balance looks like rather than where just women are usually not just <laughs> not like Thanks for right. sugar yeah. that. Yeah. And it's not just that we're encouraging you women to walk around and women are mean and we're saying thank you. May I have another? Yeah, like, how absolutely does... not. I don't do that yeah. ever. Right. So how <laughs> do we navigate kindness in light of the fact that we are not necessarily always encountering it? Yeah, um, I'll just let me just say
0: really quickly on unkindness. kindness. Um, the best study that I ever did was going to the Bible to see what the Bible says about kindness, mm-hmm. and every time. God describes in the New Testament, his love for us, it's through his kindness, which was very intentional, very strategic and cost him a great deal, cost him his son. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the definition of kindness. Um, we are not God, so we don't love perfectly. So for us, I think it really comes down to what's the, what's the motivation of our heart? Um, and how do I want someone to think about God based on their encounter with me? So if I if I engage people in that way, if I'm your only representative of a Christian, if I'm the only Christian that you would ever meet, what would you believe about God because we interacted? Which means when I'm at the deli at Unsaid grocery store
2: (laughs) There's the jersey coming out. Yeah.
0: When I'm at the deli just waiting on my coleslaw and I feel like you can't do two things well very quickly. And what's coming to my mind is to be like sister. I know that you can get that coleslaw with the quickness, like and things come to my mind and then I'll be wearing my kind woman shirt and I'll go, crap, I gotta be, Jesus yeah. loves her, Jesus, you know, but it really just comes down to a motivation of if I were the only one or if she knows a bunch of other Christians and she's turned off to Christ and then she meets me, mm-hmm. am I going to be someone who reflects his love or deflects from it? And that's just something that we have to keep in the forefront of our minds all the yeah, time. That's Absolutely,
2: great. I you know I think in one of the questions it said when I have like an angel on one shoulder and the devil like that's real life, yeah, sister. Like that is all of us. And and here's what I tell people about kindness because actually I've been criticized quite a bit about oh you have a vision of kindness but you aren't kind to me from people who I choose to have boundaries with. Mm. Um, and actually, boundaries are quite kind because if I didn't have them, I would be exercising all kinds of unkindness. Right, um, and that's not the person I want to be. It's not the person I want you to experience. It's not what you deserve. And so, like kindness can come out in all kinds of different ways, and boundaries is one of them. Of you know what, you know I like we can't even me and you because we're just oil and water. You say this, I say this. We just that's life. Not everybody's meant to be best friends. Like right. it doesn't work like that. So sometimes with me, when there's someone, okay, I'll say it. There's some people I literally cannot stand. <laughs> you guys, I none want, of I don't, you though. I it's don't, none of you. I don't want, I don't wish them ill. I just, am like, when I'm around you, I'm like, not okay. I'm offended constantly. um, All this kind of stuff. Sometimes when I'm like, okay, I ask, I literally ask myself this, what does kindness look like even now? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it looks like I say absolutely nothing and keep my mouth shut. Like, okay, I don't need to go tell everybody now or like so-and-so, oh my gosh, I can't even like, you know, sometimes kindness looks like keeping my mouth shut, um, in the absence in the boundary. Sometimes it looks like I'm in a group of people. And we all agree that we can't stand the same person. And instead of participating, I don't participate as my act of kindness towards that person. Like I'm not spreading this unkindness. Like kindness can look all kinds of different ways. We are not called to be doormats. We are called to be kind. I'm kind on a regular basis to people that have hurt me, Mm -hmm. that are unkind to me, because I want to be kind. It's not about whether they deserve it or not. Once you can make that mental shift of, it's not about you, it's about who I want to be. You know, that doesn't mean I don't stand up for myself or my children. I can say hard things to you. That doesn't mean I'm unkind. That's the thing is, if you say anything that slightly offends me, you're not being kind. No, No. that's not the case. But the case is what is my heart for you? You know, if my heart for you is not good things, I usually try to put some space there so that I, I I don't unleash unkindness on you. That's an act of kindness. Like sometimes if my heart's not there, I take a, like I pause on it, go try to get my heart in the right place of like, God loves this person. This Mm -hmm. person has something to love. They're not a monster. Like I walk myself through mental things just because you don't want to be friends with somebody doesn't make you unkind. Just because someone doesn't want to be friends with you doesn't make them unkind. Yep. It just means that's not what's best for either of you. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to like agree with it. But like what what we're doing is, whenever I don't get my way or I'm treated exactly like I think I deserve to be, then it's unkindness or the the flip of that is it when I always unless I get my way, it's you know, you're not being kind. Or yeah. when I, you have to give me my way for me to believe you're kind. No.
1: That's nothing. No. Yeah. 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 We're not encouraging you to cultivate kindness so you can run around and point out every time someone's right. not.
2: We we want kindness to look all, the, all the different <laughs> things. And it might look like if I'm only looking at you slightly. <laughs> Stop. But for Stop. real, it's like the vision of kindness comes from we are we we are more, came from, we're more against each other than for each other. That's not God's heart for us. right? You know, it said in his loving kindness, he saved us. And so if that's his strategy, it needs to be ours because we're called to be fishers of men. We're called to reach people for Christ. That's how we do that. When I'm a complete jerk, nobody cares what I have to say about Jesus. Mm-hmm. In fact, they're repelled from him. That's one reason that should motivate us all to kindness. The other reason is we have no idea what's going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Some of the meanest, most unkind people are the most hurt, wounded. They've experienced both trauma and abuse. Sometimes kindness is the biggest healer. So it's not about you in that case. And sometimes kindness looks like you withdraw and you keep your mouth shut and you don't spread poison or venom to others, even though you want to, Mm -hmm. that is also an act of kindness. Yeah, that's great and that's what I have to say about that <laughs> fantastic awesome who's still
0: here do you have to guess here raise hands we wanted to go shorter but hey you guys asked the questions um, <laughs> we
2: only answered like three <laughs>
0: no we, we,
2: we well we combined we, yeah, yeah, we yeah, combined yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so before we wrap up I want to put a I want to remind you of a couple things one our next regular episode is will be dropped March 1st remember the first of every month you get your Cultivate podcast episode please tell your friends share it with your friends um, thank you for all of those of you who've listened like we were blown away by you guys listening. oh my gosh Thank we've you. had
2: the greatest response which we're laughing yes. we're like oh my gosh that's awesome. this is awesome but that next episode is what I'm super excited about because here's the thing like we did our first episode and it was very informational um, the next monthly episodes are all going to be how to's mm-hmm. and we're going to just get right to it yep. how to not I don't know if it's going to be how to not be weird in group or, or make Stop group being weird. <laughs> Stop being weird. If you don't know who's weird in your it's group, probably it's probably you. Kind <laughs> of a deal. Cause this is a real thing. Yeah. Like there is a way to be healthy in small group. Yeah. There is a way to navigate relationships in group. Someone's going to be real in, like weird in group yep. every time. Yep. If you, again, if you don't know who that is, it might be you. Maybe you need to learn. Like, why does nobody want to ever be in group with me? Because you're weird. <laughs> Let's stop being weird. Like, we are going to get means to. that with kindness, guys. <laughs> she does. We're going to get to that. Like, you know, you healthy community is life-changing. If you're weird all the time, you're repelling people. Yeah. Okay? But also, for the rest of us who aren't weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a bold statement <laughs> there. You know. There's going to be weird people in our group, and they deserve love and belonging mm-hmm. and kindness yeah. and how do you navigate that and we're going to get to that next time.
0: Yeah, we are. So stay tuned for that March 1st and then please save the date on your calendars for Friday, March 15th. We're having our first Cultivate Live event of 2019 um, at Hunter Park. Um, at our Hunter Park campus there is going to be child care which is first come first serve registration based that's all going to be coming to you social media on our website. You can get all the information there that you need. We want to see you guys there and we will talk to you next
2: time. Bye.